Starting this fall, amazing local educators will be recognized with the launch of Superior Educators. This collaboration between several local school personnel and the Portage Health Foundation is meant to celebrate the people who make our area schools a great place to learn and grow. All educators at K-12 public schools in Barraga, Houghton, Keweenaw, and Otsunagan counties are eligible, including bus drivers, teachers, support staff, and more. Nominate a Superior Educator you know at superioreducators.org. Welcome into Copper Country today. I'm Grant Ducetto, the program brought to you by the Portage Health Foundation. You can learn more at phfgive.org. And my guest is the manager of the city of Houghton, Eric War, and we're talking about the future of the parking deck. And you presented to the council fairly recently, so I, maybe you can talk about kind of what the plans are for that space. Yeah, well, it was, a, it was two weeks ago now that we presented on that. But um, back last summer, um, the council voted that administration at the city, there's a few of us working there, start making plans to get the deck taken down, just not to rehash history over and over again but we have this unsustainable piece of infrastructure owned by the city and it's it's one of those things where we can keep pouring money into something we're going to have to tear down someday or we can take it down on our own terms before we have to take it down and then move on from there and so so that's that was kind of the plan that I, I presented to the council, which that plan basically boils down to getting some funds, which is going to be through a bond to get the deck taken down and then hopefully leveraging that part of that investment um, into some grant dollars to make some improvements in that Lakeshore Drive corridor down there. Because right now, Yes, it would be nice with the sun shining on it, but when you really think about it, there's not much of a, a walkable, nice street down there. And that's really what that could be someday, is a, is, a, is a contributing part of our downtown instead of a back alley, so to speak. The plan would be to finance the, call it the teardown of the deck, and general repair of the parking areas, because they're going to take a beating when the demolition would occur. Um, get those parking areas restored to good parking, good efficient parking areas, and then hopefully leverage that with some grant dollars to do some placemaking, do some accessibility, some walkability improvements down there along the Lakeshore Drive corridor, and make some connections between Sheldon Avenue and Lakeshore Drive where people can easily transit back and forth because it's not going to be so convenient as pulling up to a back door and walking in, in in all cases. So so that's that's the general plan. And then people wonder about the future. You know, what does the future hold down there? And, you know, part of what we'd be doing now is setting the stage for redevelopment of something down there. And um, that's not going to happen right away. When we had the public uh, engagement sessions last fall, what really came out of that is people do have an appetite for something down there. We don't know exactly what it is yet, but going forward with this parallel to that, call it the demolition path, parallel to that is going to be probably some more public engagement, one, two, five, who knows, public engagements to really hone in on what would we welcome for development down there? Where it would be? How much of the property? There's those two distinctly large pieces of property down there that the deck occupies now. And from what we did a couple of years ago, we have proof of concept that that's sought after. So hopefully 
part of this plan, it, not hopefully, it's part of the plan, is to sell off a piece of it, which would recoup some of those demolition costs. So it's not on the backs of the taxpayers because, you know, for better or for worse, it's been on the backs of the taxpayers pretty much since it's been built. It was one of those pieces of infrastructure. We got it, but we didn't have the cash flow to sustain it. I mean, that started in year two or year three that the general fund was subsidizing that. So under this plan, we'll get it down and we'll get that liability taken care of. I think that's one of the biggest things that people don't understand is that is a huge liability for the city there thinking about it long term whether it's a financial liability to keep pouring millions of dollars into this thing to just keep it up versus going cold turkey so to speak and let's get it down to get rid of that liability because we just don't have the funds to pour into it we'll start kind of start over with a clean slate and work forward from there you mentioned that you wanted to sell off part of that particular parcel where the parking deck is now do you have an idea of what percentage or well have we gotten to that point well i mean there's some there's some logical divisions of property down there just by the way the lots are laid out you know the surveyor laid some lots out down there and i think that's something that we can work on through that public input process is to say is it half of this piece or is it the whole of that piece or is it west of this or east of that that's something that we can explore those options and and talk about them as we go we don't need to know that first right now our biggest issue which you know the council again took the recommendation of the planning commission that this needs to come down voted on it now we're moving forward with a plan but parallel to all of these other things that are going to be going on, we can be working on that what comes next thing. Where would we like to see a building? How tall should that building be? What should be in it? We can work on all those things in parallel now. And once it's down, once there's essentially a parking lot there now, once the street is a a contributing walkable downtown street, once the sun is shining on those buildings down there that have been in the dark for 40-something years, those buildings are going to become viable. Those floors of those buildings are going to become viable. And that the process of the public engagement and really getting, not everybody's going to agree with everything, but you're going to get some consensus on that. And I think going forward, we're still in the driver's seat. We were in the driver's seat before, but the ask the ask that the community had of those developers that gave us those statements of qualifications, that was a heavy lift because we you know we wanted to have our cake and eat it too at the time. But in order to give us what we had requested, the scale of what they had to develop was was so, you know it was it was um, it wasn't well accepted in in some circles. So. We're still in the driver's seat, and I think you know we can stay in the driver's seat, and the community can stay in the driver's seat, and through that, through some public engagement, you know, we can, just like we did with what would people like to see. Well, now we could start to come up with some finer details of that. I believe in your presentation to the council, you mentioned that the cost to tear down the deck, and then also do modest uh, refurbishments in that afterwards, mm-hmm. just to make it workable again afterwards is going to be somewhere in the range of a million dollars yeah i mean now you're talking about selling off some property down there and you've also asked city officials to look at other parcels throughout the other parcels yeah because throughout the city but there's going to be a mismatch in timing as far as when you're getting receipts from 
those land sales mm-hmm. and perhaps when you actually have to incur the cost of doing the demolition. Right. It's yeah, it becomes a cash flow issue. So so when you look at it, a bond is basically a glorified loan. It's got a bunch of gold rimmed paper and a bunch of signatures on it. Um, that bond, you're still going to have a bond payment. Those usually come once or twice a year, depending on how you structure it. So once we borrow the money and it goes into the bank account to pay the bills, so to speak, we, we now we owe somebody money. Um, and so to, you want to call it, a, it's a cash flow issue. So what I had proposed is we've got some reimbursements yet to receive from FEMA. We're still waiting on some reimbursements that we park, so to speak, reserve, however you want to look at it. A portion of that money to cover those first couple payments. Make sure that we're not devoting cash that we should be spending on other things. Paving streets, fixing up parks, such and such out of the general fund or the DDA. Um, so we, we, we hold some cash to cover those first couple payments till we can start cash flowing other resources, whether it's the sale of property. You know, eventually, if something were to be built there, it's going to generate tax revenue in the downtown, which could offset that. My proposal was, we don't want to bond this for 30 years. You know, you don't want to be paying on demolition for 30 years. I'm saying 10 years is a good, is a, is a good number. It, it keeps those payments, you know, you know, around the $125,000 a year. It's manageable and it's with the eventual sale of some property, development of some property, it's gonna generate other revenue which would then be able to retire that bond is what it's called. As far as bonding goes, how much does the city actually do through bonds? Is it something where it involves actual operating expenses or is it unique, special, one-time items, essentially? Exclusively. We don't operate off of bonds. Generally, we we use bonds for major capital projects, kind of like uh, getting a home improvement loan. You can do certain things out of your regular cash flow at home, but sooner or later, something big comes up. And, and you need to borrow some money to do it. So so the city, when we do, say, a large water sewer project, we will bond with USDA, Rural Development yes. Department of Agriculture. We'll bond with them to stretch those payments on that infrastructure out over a long time. And those payments are generally pretty low. You're generating enough income to make the bond payments, but you get to realize the benefit of repaired water and sewer today. It's usually bigger capital projects that you use that for. If we were, you know, to build, if we needed to build a fire hall or we needed to build a a new city hall, that's generally what bonding is used for. So you want to use it sparingly because you certainly don't want to be in debt. I mean, that's that's the ultimate goal. So we only really use bonding for major capital projects. But you have contacts set up so that if you want to bring this to market, that it can be done fairly quickly? Yes. I mean, uh, we've got we've got a, a financial advisor that we work with and uh, a set of attorneys, bond attorneys, municipal attorneys that we work with. So I've actually got a, a conference call with them coming up just to s- kind of uh, line out uh, a schedule and basic numbers they'll kind of get the paperwork started so to speak and then I'll be back at the council talking to them about it here's the terms here's what the payments are going to look like and all those things and so we'll be discussing those in a council meeting and I don't know 30 to 60 days type mm-hmm. of thing. I only ask because I've seen estimates now of up to nine interest rate hikes within a year period type deal. Right, and that's... The situation on the ground and in the capital markets 
could change fairly dramatically. Ab- absolutely. Here. I mean, it's been the last the last few years have been really good for borrowers in the bond market. I mean, the rates that we've been getting on like these major water and sewer improvements that we've been doing, you know, have been down in the around two percent. So we certainly want to um, move forward with. You know, I'm going to say some determination to get this done sooner rather than later so we can lock in a good interest rate as well. I mean, the goal is to pay this thing off early, mm-hmm. but or at least have the money reserved to pay it off, depending on how the bond is structured. But we want to take advantage of that interest rate where we're at now because the economy changes. It's going to change. We know it's going to change. So um, in this, you know, this happened years ago you know you were looking at interest rates we were down below one percent at one point or excuse me down below two percent at one point in time with rural development they used to be as high as four and a half percent and you know when you're borrowing money for 30 or 40 years from rural development that that interest rate makes a big difference so we certainly want to capitalize on what we have now and we've learned with the pure project (laughs) that sometimes timing makes all the difference yes and timing makes all the difference and that's what we did with the pure project interest rates were extremely low and the the Grant leverage that we had there was extremely high. So that's one of those capital projects that take out a small bond to cover the difference. And we're going to get, um, you know, a, a major piece of sustainable infrastructure out of it. It's not something up in the air this time. And speaking of the, the grant portion, trying to leverage the bonding mm-hmm. when we take down the deck mm-hmm. and then turn it into um, some downtown improvements. Mm-hmm. MEDC obviously is somewhere you're looking. Do you have any other ideas? The city of Houghton's had a great relationship with MEDC for decades, and they are the, let's call it the state agency that helps people build their downtowns in their, you know, that part of their community. And looking to them, they've got multiple avenues that we're looking at. I mentioned one at the, at the meeting there, but the guidance hadn't even been out on that yet. There's two or three other programs we're going to look at and figure out which one fits the best. Uh, there's, you know, people, they talk about CDBG or this or that, which one of those will will work on that. But it's all we're going to be talking to the same person. It's just which pigeonhole are we going to put this project in, so to speak. If we do have a future development down there, I'm assuming that we're probably talking about some sort of a, a TIF or other type of uh, economic arrangement where we're we're generating tax revenue off of this. Any ideas as far as what that could be financially for the city? Well, when you get down to it, um, there will be an increase in tax revenue if something's built, of course, because you're going from basically going from nothing to taxable. So whatever it is. So it all depends on what it's, you know, what it is, how big it is when it's done. But conceivably, you could be looking at thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 a year of additional tax revenue downtown. And considering that the DDA only takes in about $180,000 a year right now. It's not a lot of money um, that, you know, you're looking at, a, you know, in the in the high double digit percentages of an increase. Something to the extent of what was previously proposed down there last year or the year before, you would have been talking increasing the value going from 180000 to well over $400,000 in value or taxes, which those resources coming in lets the city reapply those things downtown, whether it's helping out uh, small business with facades or better signage or advertising or 
new sidewalks type of thing. And that's really, it's really about setting the stage for that private development to occur. And that tax revenue comes in and then the city is reinvesting that tax revenue into the community. It's and and I think the city's done a great job the last forty years doing that, and uh, we want to keep that moving forward. And the goal would be that the city of Houghton is doing a lot of the things that perhaps you're going to the MEDC for. I know that the downtown revitalization that happened back in twenty ten now in two thousand nine. Okay, yeah. I was close. <laughs> yeah, you were close. A lot of that has been at least helped or facilitated by the MEDC. And the, the yeah. goal would be that the city can do that without necessarily relying on other outside agencies. Yeah, you, you look at what happened in 2009. I mean, that was the compilation of about five funding sources stacked up at the time. And, you know, they, they kind of all formed a super group, so to speak, for funding something. And, you know, you look at the change that happened in downtown after that project Go look at a Google Street picture. You can look at them, what the downtown looked like the year before that project started. And look at the windows, look at the street, look at the sidewalks, look at who was open or what was closed or what was empty. And then you flash forward past that project and go to what 2018 picture I think is the most recent one downtown. It's it's a huge difference and the difference that that made in, in just the the ecosystem, the climate downtown as a good place to do business, a walkable place for people to go. That would be one goal for that corridor, that piece of that Court Lakeshore Drive corridor, is to recreate that effect again. And that's where MEDC was a partner in that, MDOT was a partner, the 2009. MEDC was a partner, MDOT was a partner, Rural Development was a partner. And it, I think it really paid off for this. That really paid off for the city. Now, the plan that you presented, and obviously it's not a fully fledged out plan at this point, about what Lakeshore Drive could look like. There's a couple of connectors between Lakeshore Drive and Sheldon Avenue. What are some of the other features that you would like to see down there? Well, well really, it's, it's again, it's, it's a beautiful spot. I mean, if you're on either end, outside of the parking deck, it's really quite nice down there. So really, you've got those connectors, and you know we're talking about like four season connectors to help people get back and forth and negotiate the hill without having to worry about snow or ice or someone with mobility issues. But then you think of the street itself, proper sidewalks. Um, Going to need some lighting down there now. Places for people to be. Um, maybe some gardens, rain gardens. I mean, that's one way of managing stormwater is to give it to the plants, so to speak. So elements like that and the concept of placemaking is, is really creating somewhere where people want to be. I'm an engineer. I'm not a landscape architect. <laughs> I can envision it in my head, but working with a landscape architect and a planner to really define what will be those places, what they're going to look like, where you're going to locate them, that's something that we have to work on. Again, I can see it in my head, but I have no idea how to get us there. That's where other professionals can take over. As far as a time frame for this, mm -hmm demolition on the deck or reaching out and finding kind of a final plan or solution mm -hmm. for Lakeshore Drive. What are we looking for as far as a time frame? So, so you know, that somebody asked about the, the demolition, I think, at the meeting, and the there's no good time to do this. You know, that's that's the hardest part. It's not going to be fun. It's It's been estimated it's going to take anywhere from... 45 to 60 days, so month and a half to two months to get it down, get and everything out of there. that's going to pretty much rule out 
summertime. I mean, you're you, not going to want to do we it don't when you have do all these tourists. In. No, we don't want to do this in July and August. <laughs> Certainly, it'd be the easiest time to do it, but not, that's not good for the city. It's not good for downtown. So looking at possibly late spring, kind of like where we'll be a month from now, you know, would be a good time maybe before graduate graduation weekend type of thing again that's going there's some more discussion you know talking to the engineers about it too talking to the, um, some potential demolition contractors the other parts of this the the design aspects will be going on probably starting very soon um, go on throughout the summer hopefully bid something out either next fall or early winter for spring 2023 to get it down now the what comes next what you know what uh what piece of property we sell that's something we can keep working on as we go here because we don't have to we, we don't have to know that before it comes down mm-hmm. and so we can have that public engagement you know get some get some more planners involved things like that in order to determine what you know they, there's a concept called form-based code that it's not exactly what it is, it's how it fits in the neighborhood that it's in. And I think um, that's probably gonna be one of the biggest discussions is, well, how tall is it? What does it kind of look like? Does it look like an old building? Is it complimentary or is it, that's where a lot of that discussion and that input's gonna come in is what the form of whatever it is. Now, when we had the public engagement, People wanted to see a mixed-use building, which generally means it's got some retail, might have a restaurant in it, but then it's got a strong residential component on the upper floors. And that's been what MEDC likes to see is a mixed-use building because mixed-use is sustainable then. I mean, uses can change on the first floor. It could be a T-shirt shop. It could be a clothing store. It could be a pet store over, over time. But there's always people living upstairs. And that's part of a healthy downtown is a lot of people living downtown to provide that base to support those businesses that the folks that don't live downtown want to come in and shop at and and eat at and and so on. And you would hope it's a stable revenue source if the retail outlet at the first floor has to change or there's trouble replacing it, whatever it happens to be, you're still getting that rent revenue from from the upper right, and that's levels. and that's for, that's on the developer. Mm-hmm. You know, that's and that, and that's the thing. The, the the city doesn't build apartment buildings. Yes, you know, we don't build hotels. We don't build places, uh, strip malls. So you know, that developer is going to do their homework on what type of space. You know, you know how it's how it's oriented, where it, what floor it's on, all of that. That's that's what they do, and and uh, you know, probably above that's going to be. You know, apartments, you know, people people call them condos. Well, you know, condos are just a, an ownership arrangement. Mm-hmm. Um, a, you know, any anyone who says, oh, they live in a condo, they actually just live in an apartment that they happen to own. That's the only difference. Um, you're not paying rent. You're paying a little bit towards the maintenance, but you actually bought that unit. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, that's more than likely there'll be some residential aspect down there whether it's high end medium end or whatever but again that would be up to the developer because realistically i mean we're in a climate right now we need places for people to live here and you talk about mobility within our housing types and and that and the one thing that we don't have is that condo i just did air quotes with my fingers (laughs) that condo type of arrangement where someone can 
buy a place, maybe get out of their house up in the neighborhood somewhere, and that house up in the neighborhood now becomes available for someone else to either move into town or move to where they want to live in town or that better house, which opens up another house, which might be rented and someone from an apartment can actually get into their own home type of thing so that's you know that that mobility aspect is going to be facilitated by building and realistically the city wants to build within the infrastructure it has because you know roads and water pipes and street lights and all those things are expensive and um, they call it densification. We don't want to be on top of each other, but we have a lot of room to grow within what we have. I was about to ask that very question. We obviously had at least some idea of what could potentially go in this space mm-hmm. from a prior developer. Would that have required a lot on the city's part as far as new infrastructure? Actually, not really. Um, you know, we've got you know we've got the utilities are already down there in Lakeshore Drive. It just would have been a matter of connecting to them at the time. So really. Realistically, whatever happens down there in the future, I don't see it being that scale. I don't know that we're going to go with an ask. Maybe maybe there will be an ask. That's where the public input comes in. You know, the other, other thing included uh, basically a, a new parking deck of pretty much equal size. And whether or not that's part of the next um, request for proposals, if you want to put it that way, whether that's part of it or not is yet to be determined. And that's where that public input process will come in to help craft kind of those six main bullet points of if we let you do something down here you also have to include a b c d e and f type mm-hmm. of thing so you know that uh, we'll work on that over time is there any potential for underground parking in that particular space well un- underground yes because uh, the ground is actually built up right there. Okay. When you think about it, you think of when you're down on the wreck trail and you've got that retaining wall that goes up and it's six or seven or eight feet high, depending on where you are, some of the parking could be below grade as it stands now, um, which, you know, uh, would be awesome. Covered parking is awesome. But again, that's going to really depend on a developer's plan and what we as a city want to get out of that as well so you know there might be the ability for a public-private partnership where maybe there's maybe there is two levels of parking there's a street level parking and there's actually parking under it because there is some room in that grade there Mm -hmm. but unfortunately you're right next to the lake you can't go down too far because a it's all that's why i asked and b it's wet Mm -hmm. yeah You, you don't want the floor drain sloshing water up when boats go by no no that would not be good no as far as the public input process for this particular space along Lakeshore Drive, is it going to look very similar to what we had with Pat Coleman in North of 45? I, I think so. I, you know, really, it's going to be some some public sessions, so to speak, and probably some sticky notes. Throw up here's some concepts. Let's discuss those. Um, and I think, but it's it might be in a little bit more detail because when you really get down to it, from those public input sessions with Pat. We really have, I mean, let's call it the people spoke. They'd like to see mixed use. They'd like to see residential down there. The dots and the post-it notes are put up and collated, and that's kind of where the majority of those participants wanted to see whatever happens next go. I think the next phase of this would be really coming up with what's going to be an acceptable development now because it's nice to say oh they'll build an apartment building down there but if someone says yeah i want to build a 21 story 
tower down there. That's not what we're looking yes. for. So, so really, really defining the broader parameters of what the community would like to see down there. Fully recognizing that you know a developer is going to have to have some latitude because ultimately what they build has to cash flow. So, you know, finding that sweet spot and that's where, you know, through that process, you know, we might have to involve some developers to really help us flesh out, you know, what's practical for them to build. Because it's nice to say, I want someone to build a really nice apartment building. But if you're asking for them to build it out of sandstone, nobody can afford to build an apartment building out of sandstone in the mm-hmm. modern era. So, so, you know, those things or, you know what, I, it, at 22 feet tall, it's everybody thinks it's cool, but it's not gonna it's not gonna cash flow. It might have to be another floor or another two floors for that matter. So that's something that we've got to work on with a lot of you want to call it, a lot of actors um, to really dial that in so we can set those broader parameters for what would be acceptable there, and then let those proponents of whatever plan they'd like to put forth sharpen their pencils and come back with a proposal, so to speak. Master plan, um, zoning currently, are there any issues or any limitations as far as what that space could be that are imposed by those particular there, documents? Well, um, no, really, when you get down to it, the, and literally the sky's the limit. Um, you know, when we were working um, last year, we, we looked at trying to bring in some, um, you know, what uh, what the committee and, uh, and some members of the Planning Commission thought were some relatively common sense limitations on height but it didn't get the traction or and there was there was a few naysayers to that at the times but right now we still don't have a limitation on height downtown so theoretically not theoretically it would happen but you could have something you know like the dmm bank building across the way i mean something like that but i think that's that's the big difference here is the city owns the property Mm -hmm. And we can ask them. That's where that I talk kind of that form and base comes in. Mm-hmm. If a developer X, we're going to sell you this piece of property. However, whatever you build cannot be taller than this, or whatever you build has to include some par- some parking spaces, or or whatever it is. We're in the driver's seat because we don't have to sell them the property. Mm-hmm. So it's either. You, you kind of abide by those. I was talking about those bullet points before. You abide by these five or six or whatever it is bullet points, and you're going to sign a legal agreement that says that as part of the sale. That keeps the city, keeps the people in the driver's seat of what happens there. And that's kind of where we were before. We just never got to have that negotiation yet. The other potential parcels of property that could be up for sale throughout the city do you have any ideas as far as what would be sought after or what you think that you could do a sale fairly quickly on? As far as what we'd like to see happen yes. with them? Yes. Uh, residential. People want to live here. The city of Houghton grew. We were one of the few communities that grew since the last census. And there's been so much demand. So many people are asking, when is someone going to build condos? Use the dirty word condos. When is somebody <laughs> going to build condos? If we can open up some property because when you get down to it if someone's got a house they like their house you know they're not going to tear down their house and buy the neighbor's house and build an apartment building and sell it under a condo arrangement so the city does have some pieces of property and there's some other pieces of property that are privately owned out there 
realistically, what we need is quality housing, which will help across all, let's call it the, the full spectrum of housing types in some form or fashion. I think that's probably, that's where the market is right now. And I think the city would be wise to capitalize on that market because whether this is a bubble or this is a long-term trend, um, we're still in it and there's still opportunity there. And I think we really need to capitalize on that for the longevity, the, the sustainability of the community, because if you're not growing, you're dying. You know, that's, that's the old saying, you're not growing, you're dying. Mm -hmm. And if you're a community, if you're not growing population, if you're not growing your economy, all you're doing is withering on the vine eventually. And that's, and we need to keep moving forward in a measured fashion. Um, to keep growing because Michigan Tech has needs, Michigan Tech has goals, and the community needs to be able to support that because Michigan Tech and Houghton are dependent on each other. And I think that if Michigan Tech's going to grow, Houghton has to grow. If Houghton is to grow, which means to sustain itself, Michigan Tech has to grow. We're dependent on each other, and we have to keep working with the university and the local developers to keep growing so we can support the growth at Michigan Tech so they can keep our economy strong. All the while trying to keep still that small city feel that yeah. is unique. I mean, Houghton is not Ann Arbor. It's not Lansing. <laughs> it's, it's not Ann Arbor. It's, it's not Lansing. It's not Traverse City. We're not Marquette. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and I think, you know, between the counselors and the planning commission, nobody, nobody wants to be Traverse City. We don't need to be Traverse City. We just need to be Houghton, but better. And I think where we're located, I look, I'm looking out your window right now, the snow, all of that stuff is, is something that's going to help keep us who we are. And, and you look at where we were in 1975 to 1985 to the present. We've changed. We've grown. But we're still who we are. It's just who we are. We've got geographical, climatological you know all these limitations on us that that's that's going to that's going to keep a lot of that in check i think plus good planning will keep that in check Houghton city manager eric war thank you very much for joining me on copper country today